Hey, America, check out 16W with Norman. All the self-deprecation and stupidity you can handle available wherever you download and listen. Rate, share, and review. I'm Chris Cody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey guys, this is 16W with Norman. Uh, We are on the air with Norman. He's sound asleep. We are just hanging out. Uh, Wanted to talk about a few things today. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, St. Patrick's Day, uh, corned beef and cabbage, NFL free agency. Um, There is a lot of stuff going on entertainment-wise as far as uh, movies and shows and things that uh, if you haven't gotten caught up on, I wanted to check in on a couple of those things. I also wanted to talk about the um, the situation in Atlanta, and I wish I could sit here and tell you uh, I knew all the details on it. I just seen a lot of a lot of hash hashtags and stop hate and all this other stuff. And and the thing for me is this: is that when people clearly there's something wrong with a human being. Uh, the church in South Carolina. Uh, the, the place in Atlanta, um, I, I don't get the racially motivated stuff. I just don't get it. I don't get the sexist motivated stuff. People who are generally unhappy with life don't want to shoot people. Uh, you know, people who are generally happy with life don't want to shoot people. And people who are, um, happy in life don't tend to want to persecute people because of their gender, race. Uh, sexuality, sexual orientation, any of that stuff. Um, you know, uh, I'm involved in a program, and one of the things that sa- it says is, you know, uh, anyone can be a part of this fellowship if you, regardless of age, race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or lack of religion. So um, my thought has always been, because I, I grew up Catholic, that uh, Catholicism had a lot to do with a lot of the shame and the guilt that I always felt my entire life for whatever it was to pick, pick a category, um, you know, uh, bad thoughts or sexual feelings or any of that stuff. Catholicism for me was always the thing like, you know, that's the thing that's making me feel guilty. And I just never felt like, I never felt like going into a little booth with a priest. Uh, it's going to sound, that's, that's the punchline to a joke, but uh, I never felt like going into a booth with a priest and telling him what I did is absolves me of anything. I, I, I don't believe that. I think there's consequences to my actions. Some of them have been bad. Some of them have been really good. Um, and just seeing what's going on, the amount of hate and things that are happening in this world, it's just scary. Uh, I think about my nieces and my nephews. And, and, um, and my nieces and nephews' age range is from 20... 22 this year or 23 this year and uh or 24 this year and down to his four so i have a wide range of of uh nieces and nephews and i have another nephew on the way uh we hadn't uh we've been keeping it under wraps my sister-in-law is having a baby boy um i believe uh mason ryan i want to say uh we've been Tracking his progress, he seems to be doing pretty great. He'll be here over the summer, so it's a catch twenty two. I'm excited about having another 
nephew, and it just makes me sad for the way things are. Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, a buddy of mine posted something the other day talking about Nicki Minaj and, um, you know, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. I'm not a big cancer culture guy. You know, uh, certain things I don't I don't agree with. I, I, I don't think there should be... I don't necessarily feel good about statues of people who are um, breaking away from our union. That's my one thing I'm not too into. Uh, they, the regime of the Confederacy was, you know, people are going to get pissed because I'm taking a political thing here, but I lived in the South most of my adult life. There is no, you know, I've had guys tell me slavery didn't exist the way it's being portrayed. Lie. That's not true. Uh, black people weren't killed and raped and tortured under the Confederacy. Of, and the whole thing, boil it down to everything. Everything in life comes down to follow the money, right? The Confederate States made cotton. They did textiles. They needed somebody. They needed people for free labor. It was a huge part of their economy. They used those people and and provided them a place to live. But shoot, it, it wasn't like living quarters today. There wasn't indoor plumbing. There was none of that stuff. It was people living in shacks, working all day, probably 18 hours a day or 12 hours a day, whatever it was, and um, just breaking their backs for people who paid them no respect. So uh, for to have monuments to those people, listen, if you're a Confederate guy and you believe in that, knock yourself out. You want to put a statue of uh, Jefferson Davis on your front lawn that complies with your neighborhood? I'm all for that too. You can do whatever you want to do. The problem is when you have a, when you have a Confederate general on a, in front of a building that um, that uh, people who black people have to walk past every day to get to do things they need to do in a in a public setting that I'm not cool with. Uh, but then you know where do we draw the line with some of this stuff? This thing's hundreds of years old. My problem with the Confederacy, why I, I draw the line there, is because it was an it was an anarchist country that was trying to secede was seceding from the United States. It would be no different if. Uh, it's no different than any country we've been at war with any other time, except it was on our soil. Civil wars are tricky because of just the fact that it's brother against brother type stuff. But I say all that to say that I think in my heart, I believe that 90% of the country is pretty middle of the road, pretty sensible, pretty, um, pretty, pretty much believe in truth and justice in the American way or whatever you want to, however you want to sum it up. And there's fringes. There's fringes to the left that are out of control with cancel culture. And there's fringes to the right that are out of control with preaching religion, Christianity, and other things. And they don't really believe that. They believe, um, be my religion or be damned type of deal. So that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. That's not Christian. That's not what the, that's supposed to be. Uh, so... With all the stuff that's going on in the world, that's what my fear is, is that the further we go along, the further we um, divide the country. And scary. That being said, uh, not to get too political, it does make me worried that we haven't heard from the, the president in three months, uh, two, two and a half months. I don't know what it is. Oh, oh he was elected. Well, he, he was elected in November. So since he was president-elect, we haven't really heard much from the president on any of this stuff. 
Um, and I don't know if it's one of those things where, and this is my memory, I guess I'm, I'm going to be 49 in a couple months, but were most presidents like this and we just got so used to the constant barrage from the last administration of tweet a minute, press conference a minute, constantly in front of the American people stirring things up? Or were, you know, I remember President Obama addressing the country quite a bit. Now, I don't, I don't want to make anybody believe I think President Biden is anything close to the orator that uh, Barack Obama was or Bill Clinton was. Um, but definitely should be at least out in front of some things in the, in the public eye, which is a little concerning. Um, but enough of the heavy stuff. I want to talk about, <laughs> let me switch to a lighter topic. Let's switch to Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow. If you don't have HBO Max, I'm going to tell you two things. Allen and Farrow is worth one month's subscription. So if you can get a free, if you're going to get a free month of HBO Max, Now's the time to do it because you can watch the four-part series of um, Alan and Farrell, and you can get to watch the extended cut of Justice League. I'll talk about two things on, on both of those. So, the Farrell and Alan thing is disturbing on so many levels, and the big thing I took away from it is, how do we, you know, they talk about it in the, in the piece, is how do we separate the art from the artist now for me with Woody Allen it's easy because I never liked him anyway I'm gonna tell you a little thing about me that probably only my wife knows I hate Manhattanites sorry if anybody in Manhattan is watching this the stuck-up snobby smarmy we're better than everybody else and it's not just Manhattanites they're the worst but Brooklyn Queens Bronx any of the five boroughs maybe except Staten Island they're pretty down-to-earth people um, but any of the other boroughs, it's such a stuck-up, snotty, we're better than everybody else, and you're just not. I mean, you have more money and more wealth concentrated in the area which you live, which is an area I'm from, but uh, the Woody Allen thing, I never got. I mean, he's a little bit before my time, and the stuff he made as I got into movies just didn't appeal to me. I mean, I was still young, um, and now, according to this thing, only he thinks he releases his stuff in, in uh, Europe. Because I guess Europeans don't give a shit that you're a pedophile rapist. I don't know. I don't know. If anybody's from Europe and you want to call into the show and explain to me why you don't give a fuck about smoking cigarettes and rapists and perverts and, and pedophiles. I mean, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, God. Sharon Tate and it's going to drive me nuts. I'll think of it in a little while. Um, the director who... Uh, missed out on the Manson murders because he was filming a movie. He's also in Europe living there now too. So like what what is the thing with being in Europe? Is it is it just freer? Is it less less compassionate? Are they just rougher around? I don't know. I mean maybe that's the softening of our culture that that has people here. And I'm okay with it. I mean the shit in this documentary is so fucked up. Okay, so I'll run you through the synopsis of it because I don't want to ruin the entire thing. But in a nutshell, Woody Allen sticks his finger in his daughter's rear end, takes her to the attic, tells her to sit tight, look at her train set, and, and basically penetrates her in her rear end with his finger. I don't know if he's masturbating during this. I don't know what's going on. They don't really get into that specifically, but he's getting off on this, whatever it is. 
and uh, whatever it is, rape is what it is. So he is um, doing this to this little girl at seven years old. And as she gets a little older and she sees a child psychologist, all this stuff starts to come out. This fucking girl has not wavered from her story one time in 28 years or whatever she is now. And to her credit, basically, I don't want to get into what gets prosecuted, what gets not gets prosecuted. Woody Allen's free, so you know he doesn't go to jail. Um, but basically, she... It, it, People that were trying to protect her didn't want to continue to proceed with this and put her through the rigmarole of having to go through this trial and all this other stuff. But she's maintained for her whole life. This is what happened. Every document was maintained. This is what happened. No, nothing changed. She got evaluated by a company and basically the system got circumvented and I'll leave it at that and she got hung out to dry. Flash forward to 2014. Now at this point, I'm going to tell you, Watching this documentary, Ronan Farrell is like I'm we're both human beings, we're both men, but he is a so much more elevated version of the human species than I am, readily admitted. While I may I'm not I wouldn't call myself woke, I'm aware. This guy, A, he's smart, he's a lawyer, he's been a correspondent on all these networks, he's done all this stuff. He says, my sister came to me in 2014. She wanted to bring her story public. They got a friend to basically, in the media, help them let her write like an op-ed piece and print it. It was received with luke lukewarm reception. Flash forward now, four years later in 2018, when the Me Too movement has now sprung from Ronan Farrow, who writes the Vanity Fair article that basically takes down Harvey Weinstein, basically starts this movement, um, and his sister's story comes back to light at that point, and now she's being more well-received in 2018. Listen, the bravery the bravery amongst all these people to do this, and the other shitty thing is this, and I will divulge this. Ronan Farrow's in the media, and he's on all these media emails. Now, I've, I've worked in marketing for a little while, and I get emails all the time. This is opportunities you can get in on. It's, it's basically paid promotion. Like, if you see a product on the Today Show and you think the hosts or the producers of that product stumbled across that product in Publix and said, oh, I got to have this on the show, it doesn't work like that. There are publicists, PR executives, high level that have contacts in all these places and they just bombard people with it. And companies, I've worked with companies that say, I want to get on the Today Show. It's like a minimum 50K buy-in just to get your product placed on the Today Show and let them talk about it. Even one of those ensemble things at Christmas time, if you have a gift and all that stuff, it's expensive. So what Ronan Farrow says is, while I'm in the media, I'm on all these email lists, and I am literally getting bombarded by Woody Allen, his father's PR people, with the things that they could trash talk Mia Farrow about. And giving them bullet points. Talk about this, and talk about that, and she's vindictive, and she's jealous, and she's this, and she's that. And he's seeing... Emails from his dad's publicist trash-talking his mom. Like, the system is set up a certain way, and some people just are not able to get away or out of that system. So, 2018 happens, the Me Too movement happens, she's more well-received, and this documentary gets made. There's a really cool thing about this documentary that is sort of twisted, and from what I've read recently, is Woody Allen is now suing the producers of this documentary 
because Woody Allen, in all his arrogance, he has they have phone recordings of him talking to her, uh, and he's on the phone. She's recording him, and you're hearing her recording, and or his recording, and it's like, yeah, don't worry, I got her on the line. I'm just humoring her. I got it recorded. Blah 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 blah. But the way the story kind of lays it out is at Princeton University in New Jersey, there's a whole Woody Allen historical archive. And researchers went there and pulled his own stuff, and they just talked about his. He, he it's in his own words. It's stuff he's doing. It's scripts that he wrote and edited and did all this stuff. So, not only do they have him in his own word talking shit, they also have these scripts and these drafts of scripts. And like, I def, I mean, I, I can't watch it. I, I truly can't. And I, and I'll, I'll even put a caveat in there in a second, but I can't watch it because I never liked them to begin with. Um, but if you look at some of the clips they're showing of his movies, it's basically the same premise in every movie. It is, uh, older man, distinguished, smart, funny, New York, Manhattanite socialist who is a little quirky, but some young, beautiful woman falls in love with him. It's it's a general theme. I mean, Annie Hall, Manhattan, um, those are just two off the top of my head. And... But if you look at that stuff, that's pretty creepy that there's a guy that basically wrote all this shit out and, and lived it out and was living it out. Uh, the one thing I will tell you is, and, and listen, this is why I said I'm aware I'm not fully woke. Uh, I can still listen to Michael Jackson, even though he's a pedophile rapist. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if I just, it's because I grew up on Michael Jackson as a kid. Um, you know, I was like right hitting puberty when, when, um, when uh, Thriller came out. So maybe be the safety of being past his age group at that point in my life, it never affected me, and I never really understood what was going on until I got older. You know, I ne- Neverland or whatever, I never I never really tracked with that. So, um, so that's my caveat to it. I'm just being completely transparent with it. So that uh, is on HBO Max. It's really good. It's four parts. It's about an hour, a little over an hour each. Very good. The other thing is Justice League. Now look, I'm a superhero idiot. Like I have, I have so many trinkets and superhero things all over the place. Uh, Supermans and Batman. I mean, Batman was always my favorite. I think I went as Batman every year for Halloween from the time I was like two to the time I was probably thirteen or fourteen, and it was the same shitty costume of the '70s. It was like a plastic mask that fit over your face, helped my helped my look, hid my chins and my cheeks. Um, but it, I mean, it was like polyester. Like if you walked past an ashtray and an ember burnt out, you were you were on fire. So um, so I, I'm into the DC stuff. I'm definitely into the Marvel stuff that's come out. I finished WandaVision. It's really cool. WandaVision as well. That's on Disney Plus. I talked about that a little bit before. I'm not going to get into that now. But um, but uh, we we uh, talking about Justice League. The original theatrical release, there was some snafus. If you don't know the story, um, Zack Snyder, who's done the movie 300, which I love, and done some Superman movies and some Batman movies that I didn't really love, he's always going for this dark angle on a lot of stuff, which I don't even really mind that part of it. The problem with Justice League, Batman vs. Superman was rushed, and Justice League, Basically, they threw together all these superheroes without telling you really their backstory, and it was choppy. Like, you go from segment to segment in the original release, and it's a theatrical release, so, like, it can't be more than three hours. You can't do that. I mean, people, listen, I'm 49. I got to pee three times. I got to pause this thing and watch it. 
but it's it was definitely not done well. And then his I think his daughter got sick, and he stepped away from the end of it. And they brought in Josh Whedon, who I think did Guardians of the Galaxy, and he came in and finished it. And it, it just it really wasn't a good movie. Like on IMDb, I think I gave it a three. I'm a couple hours into Justice League. I'm not even done with it. It's four hours. It is so much more filled out and understanding of the characters and understanding of the villains and understanding of what's really going on, developing the super... I mean, like I've said before, Marvel developed their individual heroes and then brought them together. They did Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, put those together in the Avengers with Black Widow and then did the Guardians of the Galaxy as an aside and then brought those guys in together with the Infinity stuff. So, like, that's how Marvel did it, which clearly worked for them. I mean, this they're the biggest franchise ever in the history of the world. Um, so it's disappointing because Batman's my favorite, and they can't seem to, other than the Christian Bale trilogy, they can't seem to get it. I'm looking forward to, I was nervous at first about Robert Pattinson. I'm looking forward to Robert Pattinson's version of uh, the Batman coming out next year. But at least in this version of Justice League, the, the fact that... Um, the fact that they are developing characters, even though it's in a movie where they're already together, at least you have a better understanding of the, the roles they play and their powers and the things that are going on. So it's much better done. It's way long. You got to invest time in it. You, you might have to watch it in two parts like I'm doing and, uh, and then check it out. So that's those two. And the only other thing I wanted to talk about from an entertainment standpoint is this movie, The Sound of Metal, that's been nominated for all of these um, awards. It's on Amazon Prime. It's it's really, I don't want to say it's really good. It's really disturbing because it involves a couple of components. It involves human frailty of becoming deaf coupled with human frailty of addiction. And the way it's done, you're not going to finish watching it and like be happy and skip to the mailbox to get your mail after you're done watching it. You're going to be like, what did I just watch? And it's got to sink in. So I watched it the other night, gave it some time to sink in. And um, for me, it is just, I guess it, it just, it, it, it speaks to me because of the human frailty part of it. But if, if any one thing is great about it, where it's, it's definitely going to win an Academy Award for, is the sound, the audio. Basically what they do in this movie is take you in and out of sound of someone with hearing, mild deafness, complete deafness, and they kind of trickle them together. Um, and it's just, the sound way it's done is really, really good. So if you want to check out a movie that's not going to be like this uplifting superhero happy movie, I've given you three, like a dark superhero movie, uh, a documentary that's depressing as, as hell because this piece of shit is still walking the street and in Europe and or wherever he is, and... Uh, and the sound of metal. So uh, if you got some time this weekend, if you live someplace where it's not going to be 80 degrees this weekend, like here, and you want to get out, uh, you want to stay in and do that, that's definitely um, definitely a cool option for some stuff going on this weekend. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? I want to talk a little bit about the, the Giants and free agency. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little break, check on Norman, He's actually right there, and he uh, and see what's going on with him, and we will come back. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go through because um, no one gives a shit about the Giants. You're probably going to turn this off anyway. So 
been a Giants fan since um six, seven. First game I ever saw was San Francisco 49ers at the Meadowlands, 77, 78-ish. And O.J. Simpson was a running back for the 49ers. And I remember my dad, who's not a sports guy, saying to me, like, you want to come to this game because you're going to see one of the greatest double murderers of all time. I mean, greatest running backs of all time. Sadly, he became a double murderer. And whatever you believe, you can think I'm silly. Evidence be damned. Uh, another piece of shit walking the street. Ah, oh, society is really evolving. Um, but I've been a Giants fan forever. The Giants are in a situation where they're sort of fi- financially struggling because of the, the salary cap. And the NFL and salary cap, if you know, uh, every team has to stay at this, this dollar figure. You have to spend a minimum, and, uh, and uh, it, it can't be over a certain amount. The thing that's happened with COVID is last year, the salary cap was like $198 million, $192 million. And generally, it's gone up like 20% a year, you know, so players keep making more, contracts keep getting bigger, guarantees keep getting you know, put in place. But because of COVID, the salary cap was scaled back for the first time in like, I want to say like nine years or something like that. It's like 2011, 2012. So people don't have as much money. The Giants are one of those teams. But there's so many screwed up things going on with them that... And I don't blame the general manager. The NFL is so complicated. You have a general manager who evaluates talent. You also have a, um, you also have a, uh, like a salary cap guru guy that does all the financials and the money and all that stuff. And they've just, they've just, I don't want to say mismanaged it, but like I look at other teams around the league and how they manage it, and the Giants just don't manage it that way. They try to stay in the black all the time and don't want to basically hemorrhage money in the future for today type of deal. Problem is today never develops into a championship team and they're constantly under that under that radar. So they have they re-signed a guy named Leonard Williams. I was happy when this trade was made two years ago. I wish he would have been signed sooner. There was some back and forth. Um, but people bitched about that trade two years ago that we gave up too much for him. The guy was phenomenal last year, played on a one-year type deal. And then um, was lights out. And now you don't hear anybody bitching about the fact that we gave up a third-round pick for him. Nobody gives a shit. If you get 10 sacks out of a guy, give up a third-round pick. Now they're pissed that they didn't sign him fast enough and other players left. Whatever. The other player in question is two. An offensive lineman named Kevin Zeitler and a defensive lineman named Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson hurts. He's an interior defensive lineman. Uh, he's a captain of the team, like one of these glue guys that... Uh, kind of joke about but he was captain leader of the team he was good he's really good but they have a kid by the name of Dexter Lawrence who in my heart I believe is much better than Dalvin Tomlinson they're gonna have to pay him in the future so I understand why they let him go the tricky part with the Giants has been under the last general manager they would draft all these great skill players Odell Beckham you know uh, Evan Ingram Sterling Shepard, all these good offensive weapon type players and never put an offensive line in front of the quarterback, giving him enough time to do anything. And uh, we have this offensive line. I think there's some tough guys on that line. I just think that they seriously need to develop and gel because all that, in my opinion, because watching the end of Eli Manning's career was painful. 
my opinion is that if you don't have an offensive line that can give your quarterback enough time to drop back and throw a pass, it doesn't matter how fast your receivers are. It doesn't matter how good your running back is. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. And there's a ton of offensive linemen available. They let Kevin Zeitler go. The draft is coming up. They have the 11th pick. But I've, I've said this time and time again. I hate this time of year for the fact that free agents, the Giants do okay here and there. This year's struggling with the mock drafts. I can't take the mock drafts. A mock draft is me. I could do a mock draft. I could do 12 mock drafts like they do, like these guys do. They're throwing shit on a wall, figuring out what sticks, and eventually when the draft happens, they're going to come back and they're going to go, see, I had that one right. Oh, I missed on that one. You don't have to be great about it. It's like being a weatherman. Like, it's going to be 85 and sunny here in Tampa today with a 2% chance of, of rain. I could make that same same prediction, same forecast every day from now until end of May. And the only thing that's going to change is the, the temperature is going to go up a couple of degrees. Very little rain this time of year. Um, uh, now, over the summer, we'll get some rain. But, but like, it's one of those things. Like, it's a throwaway. So from February when the Super Bowl ends until April when, or I don't know if it's May this year, April or May when the draft is, the draft is usually my anniversary um, around April 25th. So I always know about that, but I think it got pushed out a little further. And from February till April, May, it is constant, uh, constant um, reiterate, reiteration of a different mock draft. And, and it's, it's just, it's annoying to sit through it. So for me, um, I think that uh, the Giants are going to be, I think they're going to be okay. I think their offensive line, a second year together is going to gel. There's some young guys on there. The one promising thing for me about the Giants is I think they have one player over the age of 30. Everybody else is like 26 and under, 28 and under. Depending on the position you play, it depends on your prime. But they have talent. They, I think they'll be okay if the team can gel. I mean, and the biggest thing is the NFC East sucks. Okay, the Washington Redskins, sorry, the Washington football team are terrible. Regardless of the fact that they won the division last year, that wasn't, same thing for the Giants. I'm not dis, you know, disparaging them to say that they're any different than any of the other four teams. Uh, the Eagles are bad. The Redskins are bad. The Giants are bad. The Cowboys probably have the best team in the league in the division. Uh, but they're run by Jerry Jones. And he, I mean, listen, I have no fear of the Dallas Cowboys ever as long as he's, as long as he's the owner making the, the final decisions. Now, maybe when Stephen Jones takes over his son that they'll, they'll make some changes and, and reevaluate things, but not worried about the Cowboys at all. So they have a shot to make the playoffs, even with this, even with this, um, this iteration of, of youth and letting people go and all that stuff. So the Giants, I think, will be okay, or at least be in the mix for most of the season. No one's going to compete with Kansas City. No one's going to compete with Tampa. Um, who else? Arizona's going to be better. The Bills are going to be good. In the AFC, the Bills, Kansas City, who else? Maybe the Colts. Maybe the Colts, maybe the Titans, depending. Um, Patriots, I don't give a shit how much money they spend in free agency. If Cam Newton's your quarterback, you're not going anywhere. He's washed, way washed. And the guy's taken a pounding in the league for six years, seven years, whatever he's been in the league for. Um so, but he's done. I mean, you can't take a beating. He, as big as he is and as strong as he is, 
you can't take a beating like that for that long. Um, so my early pre-draft predictions are, and it's going to sound like chalk, Bills, Chiefs, and probably Packers, Bucks again. I mean, those those two teams were in it last year in the NFC and AFC Championship game, and they've gotten better. I mean, the Packers mainly just because of Aaron Rodgers. They don't really have much else. Um, if there's another team in the in the NFC, it could be could be San Francisco with a bounce back year. Could be the Cardinals, um, but who knows? So, uh, and I said in the AFC, Buffalo and Kansas City. I root for Buffalo because my my wife's family is from Rochester, huge Buffalo fans. So they're always kind of my fallback, um, and it's been rough. I mean, watching them up until last year, watching them is as frustrating as watching the Giants, but. Um, Kansas City and I'll this is just funny. I, I haven't bought another team's another team's jersey of any kind in a long time. And I always got a kick out of I had a Howie Long jersey, a seventy five Raiders and it said long on the back. I got a kick out of that because I'm stupid. Well, Kyle Long, his son, came out of retirement. He signed with the Kansas City Chiefs and he selected jersey number sixty nine. And obviously his last name is Long. So there will be floating around stadiums. A long 69 jersey. So if you want to get a kick out of being silly, I mean, I don't know. People probably get offended by it. It's a joke. Um, so I'm, I, I may end up buying one of those just to just to fool around with. I don't know. Just to be silly with. Um, and then lastly, just a shout out to Raspberry Tees up in Syracuse, New York. I've shown this before. They provide, let me get my two chins underneath this. 16W with Norman t-shirts. Um, if you are interested in ordering them, you could go to Raspberry Tees on Facebook and put an order in. Um, it's got the on-air logo on the side, and it's got a sort of version of Norman here in the Bulldog section. Um, in, 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 the, in the Bulldog section. So, um, so, yeah, so the weekend's coming up. I got great plans for the weekend. My buddy, uh, who I grew up with, is actually in Bradenton, which is about an hour away. So I'm going to go hang out with him on Saturday and uh, and kind of catch up with him. And then a lot of campaigning this weekend also uh, for the upcoming POA election, which I'm involved in. If you um, if you happen to live in Quarry Lake and, and, and made it through the last 34 minutes, uh, I'm probably going to do a podcast just on the POA page here in a few minutes. So... Uh, I'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on in the neighborhood that the general public really doesn't have an interest in. A lot of people in the neighborhood don't have an interest in it, but the uh, general public most certainly does not. So guys, have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, share, subscribe. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. Uh, would love to um, have you guys tune in and... Uh, and spread the word to your friends if it's you know if you're into it. I'd love to try to get some guests on the show either over the phone or um, or uh, in person. Here we have we have the capability to do a person in the studio, a person on the phone. So we have some cool stuff going on. Uh, hopefully this will evolve and get a little bit better, and um, and we're working on it. So keep coming back for stupidity, and uh, I will keep providing it. Have a great day, guys. Take it easy.